you go into your shower feeling tired. But as soon as you reach for the Irish Spring, your day immediately gets better. That crisp, fresh, unmistakable Irish Spring scent zings your brain and awakens your senses. So when you finally emerge from the shower 37 minutes later, because you pay the water bill so you can stay in there as long as you want, you're ready to take on the day and smell great doing it. Irish Spring Body Wash and Bar Soap. Fresh, green, Irish. Shop now at a store near you. Asking the right questions can greatly impact your future, especially when it comes to your finances. So if you're looking for a financial advisor you can trust, certified financial planner professionals are committed to acting in your best interest. That's why it's got to be a CFP. Find your CFP professional at letsmakeaplan.org. Are you looking for the perfect move-in ready home this spring season? Now's the time to buy at Fisher Homes. For a limited time only, enjoy below market interest rates starting at 5.375% APR, 6.139% APR. With these exclusive lower rates, you can save hundreds on a move-in ready home and start enjoying the benefits of home ownership even faster. Schedule your personal tour with one of our new home specialists at fisherhomes.com and make this spring the season you find your perfect home sweet home. Financing provided by Victory Mortgage, LLC, NMLS 461249, Equal Housing Lender. It's a Stephen Curry from the Golden State Warriors, and you're you're watching you're watching the podcast. What am I talking about? It's a Stephen Curry from Golden State Warriors, and you're listening to the Huddle and Flow podcast. We're here once again on the Huddle and Flow podcast, brought to you by Intuit, the proud makers of TurboTax, QuickBooks, and Mint. I am Steve White, here with my dude Jim Trotter, two-thirds of the Howard University mob, our producer Thomas Warren on the ones and the twos. He completes the Howard mob puzzle. And Jim, we are here on Franchise Tag Day, right? With the Dallas Cowboys, they learned their lesson last year after they franchised Dak Prescott, and they saw that price tag go where it is, because on Monday, they signed him to a four-year, $160 million deal, Jim, with $126 million guaranteed. That got his. Yeah, and we knew he was going to get it, Steve. Either way, he was sitting in a great position. If he doesn't sign a long-term deal this year, he gets nearly $40 million in salary this year to go with the 30-plus he had last year. So he's sitting in a great spot either way. And what I love about this, again, is this is a player betting on himself and winning. You know, Kirk Cousins set that model for quarterbacks, in my opinion, a few years back with the way that he did it, playing on the franchise tag in back-to-back years, forcing uh, teams to, to pay him what he wanted and give him what he wanted. And you can go back even further than that, I think, back to Namdi Asamoah back in in the day, you know, at corner where he was playing on back-to-back franchise tags, I believe, and and had all the leverage and used it. So to me, this is another lesson to players that you have leverage, you have power, you know, use it. I, I get why they take certain deals because careers in the NFL are so finite and you got to make your money while you can. But if you're willing to bet on yourself, this shows you can be successful in terms of getting everything you want. And as you say, you know, you and I have talked. It's funny that now we say he got a long-term deal. It's four years. He's young enough. He's going to be back biting at that apple real soon at a time when these television contracts have kicked in and the salary cap should jump exponentially. So Dak Prescott, he's doing all right tonight. He is doing all right. And, Jim, in a few minutes, we're going to be joined by Lions first-year general manager Brad Holmes. So we're going to talk to him about some of the machinations of, of, of what he's got to do with his club, including a franchise tag situation. Wide receiver Kenny Galladay looks like uh, he's going to be the guy that they're really going to try to target if they decide to go that route. But as you said, Jim, Dak is going to be 31 when this deal expires, which means they'll probably revisit a renegotiation the year before. Can you imagine what salaries are are, are going to be like? And this also brings up an interesting conundrum because now the Baltimore Ravens are seeing this in a year where the cap number goes down. But because Lamar Jackson has two years left on his deal, they can wait another year. He's still on his rookie deal. They can wait another year to get this done. But you wait that another year, Dak's averaging 40. It's going to be 42, 43. 
do you think in any way this would be a driving impetus for the Ravens to try to come to a longer term deal this year with Lamar instead of waiting a year? I'm not sure, Steve. This Lamar's situation to me is somewhat unique from this standpoint. They have built that offense around Lamar. Um, he has a very unique skill set, and that coaching staff has done everything to make sure that he succeeds using that skill set. Are other teams willing to build their offense around Lamar? It's not that simple as with Dak, Dak can play in virtually any system. You know, um, he has mobility. He works well from the pocket. Um, he's more quote unquote traditional, if you will, than Lamar is. So I'm the, the Lamar Jackson situation more than Dak or any other quarterback is the one that truly intrigues me because if a team, let's say he were to hit the open market, right? And I'm not saying he will, but let's say he did hit the open market. Are you as a franchise willing to revamp your offense to fit his skill set? And if you're not, then why are you going to pay him a lot of money? And that's why I say it's interesting how, how this is going to play out. I'm fascinated by it, to be to be honest with you. Oh, I bet you the Chicago Bears would. I bet you there's some some coaches who are on the green mile. He'd be like, we'll take him, we'll pay him, and, and we'll see if we can figure that out. Yeah, but it's, it's, see, that's the thing. What you just said, we'll see if we can figure it out. The right. Ravens had figured it out. They brought in Greg Roman, you know, who ran um, that RPO system so well with Colin Kaepernick, and, and everything that they have done is to fit Lamar. For another team to say, we'll see, I'm not so sure that's the right way to go. you got to say, not we'll see, but we know. And that's why I say it, it's it's going to be a fascinating situation. Um, and look, I'm not saying this to say Lamar doesn't deserve his money. He does, in my opinion. I'm just saying you and I know the business of the NFL. And for instance, with Dak, it never should have taken this long for Dak to get done. But it did. And therefore, even with Lamar, I'm not so sure it'll be cut and dry that it'll be a simple negotiation that gets done quickly or at a time where where he wants or even the team wants. And what's the most intriguing thing about the Dak Prescott situation, Jim, it took a season-ending injury for them to realize, okay, we need him long-term because we're not going anywhere without him and we're not in a situation where we can, with Mike McCarthy as our coach, we're trying to figure out what he is, go ahead and make that change at quarterback and not have the type of certainty that we absolutely want. All right, Jim, so we, we've talked about Dak. We talked about the situation. We had a great special guest here in, in Brad Holmes, one of the three black general managers who was hired this year. He comes um, – got a great story behind him. And he also comes from the Rams. He was the director of college scouting. So um, can't wait to get to him to see if maybe his expertise in college scouting is going to help him in a year where the access to some of these players and these prospects – has been really limited, Jim. So on that note, let's get to Lions General Manager Brad Holmes. All right, Jim, we're joined by our special guest today, new Lions General Manager Brad Holmes. And, and Brad, well, welcome so much to the podcast. And, you know, we, we, we got to get it started. We got to keep it real out the jump now. You're, you're, you're NCANT Aggie. We're, we're Howard men. It's all love, but you know what time it is. <laughs> well, you know, I will say now it's been some. I'm, I'm watching this. I'm watching this Howard University, you know, banner back there behind Jim, and it is giving me some flashbacks. I, I never forget the first year. I want to say I was a sophomore. We played. Um, we we played Ted White, and uh, he was. I, I never forget. You know, we had a pass rusher, Chris McNeil. You know, that was a Buck Buchanan award winners, hold the records for sacks. And he hit Ted White and Ted White fell down. And he just started doing push-ups. As he was <laughs> on the ground. And I was just like, okay, this is a different, different guy. But, and I, I saw Ted White at the uh, QB summit in Atlanta mm -hmm. a few years ago and had reminded him about, about that same time. But, you know, definitely some, some, some battles there are uh, highly, highly respected. A lot of, a lot of great players, a lot of great memories on those battles with Howard. You know, Brad, I, I wanted to ask you something just before we get into anything serious here, but there were two first-time minority GMs hired this year in terms of yourself and Terry Fontenot, and both of you began your careers either in the marketing department or the PR department. 
So is that now the 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 pipeline, the road to becoming an, an NFL GM to go through the marketing or PR department? You know, it was cool when I because I did not know that about Terry uh, till till just recently when I found that out, which I thought was really really cool. But you know, it's just another you know, it's just another you know story and just another way just of like it's 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 hard to get in, man. It's hard to get in the league, and it's all about who you know. And, you know, when I came out of college, you know, I, I, I thought I had a in and a connection and I couldn't get in at all. So, you know, luckily that I had luckily I had a, a, a degree in PR to utilize to get in with not even the NFL, but with the NBA. I had to take that route and get a media relations training job. You know, Arthur Trish hired me, you know, as a media relations trainee, and he, he introduced me to Dwayne Lewis with the Rams and um, at the NBA all-star game and had to start my, my path there and met Wilbur Montgomery my, my first year during there. And he introduced, so a longer journey, a longer path, but I will say it did actually worked out perfectly because I've always had a passion to write. And so even higher passion for football. So it just kind of just meshed perfectly in terms of when I first started uh, being able to write scouting reports, it was, it, it was awesome, but I'm happy for Terry, you know, but that was cool to hear that he had to take a little bit of a different route as well at the beginning. You picked a, you picked a good year to be in the uh, um, Hawks PR department. That The All-Star game was in Atlanta that year, yeah. and that was MJ's <laughs> last All-Star game, right? His last All-Star. Was. I was there. Oh, okay. See? It was. I was yeah. You, I was covering the you, Wizards then. I said Kobe <laughs> killed it, though. I said Kobe ruined it all. You know what? That same year, um, so when Jordan was with the Wizards, he actually, you know, they they came to Phillips Arena. And one of my jobs as a media trainee was to do the visiting locker room postgame quotes. And, you know, I had the old school recorder and the the big, not not the not the new advanced ones that are tiny, like the big thick ones. And I never forget I recorded the postgame, you know, quotes with Jordan. And just kept that thing with the tape in and all and just taped it up, wrapped it up and said, I'm never getting rid of this thing. It's got to be I'm, I'm either giving it to my son and maybe, you know, give it to his son. But, you know, um, it was one of the greatest one of the greatest moments because it was Jordan's last last one. And it was that was one of the things I'll never, ever forget. Wow. You still have it? Still have it to this day. Got the recorder, got a note on it says uh, Michael Jordan post game interview. Still have. Wow. It. Yeah, that's incredible, man. That's great to have that archive. I, I don't think I have any of the tapes, you know, because I, I covered those Washington teams for a couple of years. And I worked in, in DC. I don't yeah. think I have anything other than <laughs> my memories, you know, because I mean, I get rid of stuff, though. I, I get rid of it. But, Brad, you know, you, you talked about who you know um, and, and how much that helps in this process. And, you know, Jim and I, we have talked about inclusion and, you know, trying to get rid of the cronyism and, and things like this. But when you talk about who you know with your path, you talk about how Wilbur Montgomery got you into this when you were in St. Louis with the Rams. But along that way, who else did you meet who continued to advocate and be an ally to help you get to where you were in position to get this job? Yeah, it's a good question. So there's guys that, you know, obviously, like I mentioned, Wilbur Montgomery just kind of introducing me to Charlie Army and giving me my shot. But once I got once I got into, and I also I brought up Arthur Trish, obviously who introduced me to the right place to get in the Rams. But when I got into scouting, um, you know, there were some mentors that you know I still um, I still view them as the mentors today in terms of Lawrence McCutcheon, you know, of him taking the time out to really show me the ropes and you know the do's and the don'ts to 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 be successful. And, you know, like a Dick Daniels, you know, he was the one that actually, you know, took me, you know, down to all-star games and took the time out to say, look, this is how you create a summary. This is how you start. And because they actually saw something in me that motivated them to want to take the time out and show me how things are done, uh, I, I, I owe them everything. Um, I still tell them to this day, they're strong mentors. Um, I, I wouldn't be at the level 
that I'm at now uh, without without their help, without their guidance, without their mentorship. And then even along the way, you know, obviously had a lot of influential people. Um, our assistant GM, Ray Agnew, um, he, he's, he's actually been with me the entire time I was with the Rams. And, you know, he, he's been a, a mentor, you know, since I've been to me and just his wisdom and his faith and um, him as a human being has, has, has served me very, very well throughout my journey. And then, you know, as the journey climbed, you know, then you start, you know, meeting up, you know, a, a, a less need who's had a lot of influence, you know, on, on my career and, you know, has offered a lot of insight and been extremely helpful to get to where I've been at. You know, Brad, I'm curious. Uh, there are some who are on the fast track for a GM job, and then there are others who have to wait nearly two decades. Why do you think you had to wait that long? Uh, you know, uh, it's all about, I think it's a little bit of timing. It's a little bit of opportunity. Um, uh, but I do think that, you know, you know, sometimes it says that, you know, that I was on the fast track and, you know, that I climbed the ladder rather quickly. And then some others, you know, it, it, it takes a little bit longer. Um, but, but hopefully just um, with, you know, these hires, you know, with seeing these younger GMs, especially that have had success, especially with, you know, the success that a Andrew Barry has had as of recently, the success that uh, Chris Greer has had as of recently, you know, um, and then hopefully, you know, Terry and myself can, you know, uh, have similar paths to have those opportunities provided quicker and then not having to wait. But, you know, I've always said that, you know, uh, what was very telling in this process is when, you know, I, which I was unaware of was at my introductory press conference that Sheila Hemp said that I was not even really on the initial radar is on, is on the list. And so, and that was very telling is that it's like, wow, how many other people, which I know so many others are qualified and justified to, to, to be in this chair, but it's just about when you're going to get that, that, that opportunity and also timing as well. But Brad, did you ask her or have a conversation about why wasn't I on that list? Not so much for you personally, but for, as you say, there are others out there who are qualified and their names aren't on that list either. Have you, have you ever sat down with her and asked why wasn't I on that list? Yeah. So she, you know, they actually get those lists from different, different outlets, you know, from some from the league office, you know, different, you know, um, advisors search from those initial lists. And I have been told before prior to it that I wasn't on, you know, certain let's quote unquote list. And so uh, I was always wondering, well, if I'm not on a list, then how do I get? But the one thing that I, the one opportunity that I did get was to get a video interview uh, for, you know, aspiring GMs and head coaches at the combine. And I, I did one, you know, probably about eight years ago. And um, I actually, you know, I was my first year as a director of a college director. And I actually felt like I didn't do a great job at it, you know. And um, I was like, now I'm not on any lists. And then I get this opportunity to do this video interview. And, you know, me being hard myself, I'm like, now I'm really not going to get an opportunity if someone sees that. But I got an opportunity to, to do it again and felt a lot more confident, had a lot more knowledge. And that was actually the way that I was able to get on the list because Mike Disner saw that video interview. And so, you know, I think that's one outlet to, you know, that can be utilized heavily. So regardless of whatever list it is, you know, to have that opportunity to do that video interview at the combine um, definitely had bode well for me to get my opportunity. I'm just curious, how much do do other diverse asp uh, aspiring GMs talk about this? Because to me, it, there are a lot of talented people out there who all they need is an opportunity. They, they paid their dues. So if the process is such that they aren't even being discussed among the people who are making these decisions, there needs to be a real conversation about how do we get them in a position to be discussed? or to, to be known about 
do you all sit back and, and have those conversations? Yeah. And, you know, I, I'm glad you brought that up because I, I truly think that, you know, it's, it's always it's always talked about at the very top of GM. And, and it was like, well, lack of diversity at the in the GM chair, which which it, it is. That's that's very clear. You know, even coming in this one before, you know, Terry, myself and Martin were were, were hired, you know, it's, you know, you know, having two black GMs, that's, that's, that's low. And then, but I was looking at, well, it's low of only having one black assistant GM, you know, uh, across the, the league. And so, you know, while you're having these conversations of why, you know, the opportunities aren't coming, okay, then you got to shift the conversation of, okay, well, what can I can, can control? And then what can I actually do? So when I was given the opportunity, uh, the the first thing is, you know, to to hire more diversity to have another black assistant GM. And not just because of Ray, just because not because Ray Agnew was black. He is extremely qualified and justified, just as we talked about, that there's others out there that are very, very qualified. But that's the part that I could do to help strengthen the pipeline. Because if the pipeline isn't strengthened, then the top is not is going to still be, be be very very low. So, you know, I do think that hopefully we can continue to strengthen the pipeline. There's a lot of avenues um, that are being exercised, not the results that that we want clearly, but uh, the main thing is that we can't give up either. You know, we can't sit on our hands, but we're just gonna gonna have to keep pushing to find there's more opportunities and avenues. Yeah, Brad, on that, you know, I, I did something with Sheila Ford Hamp about a week ago or so when she talked about how she, she made it a point to tell people we are casting as wide of a net as possible, a diverse of a net as possible. That's what Mike Disner, she said Mike Disner came up and said, you've got this archived video that she needs to look at, and that's how they found you. And, and I love what you just said about, hey, it, it's our job to kind of go out and try to increase the pipeline. When we look at your, your your Dan Campbell's coaching staff as well. You know, you got black coordinators, you got black coaches all the way through. And, you know, was that intentional as well in terms of when you and Dan talk like, hey, we need to do this? Or we say like, oh, no, Aaron Glenn is somebody who should be a defensive coordinator. Anthony Lynn has shown himself, although he's not an AC anymore, that he should be an offensive coordinator for us. I mean, how was that decided yeah, no, you know, it's that's a great question. And when 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 Dan and I first talked about, you know, staffing, and this is this is before uh Dan and I even had the job. Um we, we were talking about and he was kind of going over potential guys that he would be able to add to his staff. And then, you know, the people that I vetted uh, more, you know, speaking with other guys that had coached with Dan. You know, and one of the things that kept was a recurring theme that I kept hearing about staff and, you know, ability to create a great staff. And what kept hearing is that, oh, no, coaches would be would be running to coach with, with, with Dan. And so when when it got even deeper and we both got in these chairs and we're talking about staff, the names that he was bringing up was just like, like almost to the point was like, can, can you really get can you really get them like, come on. And I mean, like I, me and Rod Wood were, to, you know, Rod Wood, Rod, like if you said that you were going to get that entire staff, I wouldn't even believe you, you know, but, you know, I will say that it wasn't like an approach of like, we have to get these guys because of these are former players or because these are diverse candidates. But, you know, he truly was trying to find the best. You know, and I think that the coordinators they found in place that Aaron Glenn, he was going on, you know, head coaching interviews, you know, uh, Anthony Lane to have been a prior head coach for Dan, that is a first year head coach, you know, and the success that he has, you know. Um, but so those are the things that just trying to find the best guys that it's been phenomenal. Um, it, it's been a phenomenal staff that Dan was able to put together. And um, again, uh, great, not only great coaches, but, you know, great human beings. And it's, it's been a real joy just to come to work every day and get, getting to know these guys more. 
Brad, you know, I got to ask you about Coach Campbell, um, particularly that introductory press conference. <laughs> I've never heard a head coach get up in front of the media and talk about biting people's kneecaps. As, as you sat there, what is going through your mind when you heard that? You know, the only thing, it was two things that I was happy of. I was I was happy that I went first and I didn't have to follow <laughs> up after that. But the second thing was that it was cool to actually be sitting front row live at that because I never got texting my wife afterwards. And I said, I literally felt like I was front row at a concert. You know what I mean? Like just, uh, just, but it is Dan being Dan. I mean, that energy, that energy and passion and that just determination and grit, it is, that is not, that is 100% authentic, genuine. That is Dan. Now, it's not kneecaps bitten off on a regular everyday basis, but <laughs> that kind of energy and passion and juice that he brings, that is legit and it's like that every day. And I, I, I couldn't be happier though, to, to work with Dan on a regular everyday basis. Yeah, I got a few texts from players who knew him well and, and um, they're excited for him, but even they were like, Ooh, that's, that's, that's a bit much there. So, you know. Um, but, Brad, but, but Brad, he hasn't calmed it down. He came out with his last one. I love how we're meatheads. I love how people are, are, are saying this. I mean, I, I just think it's great how you guys are letting him be him. Like, hey, 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 you don't hate, you know, this is how we do it here. You know, you guys are letting him be in him. I mean, that's kind of great. Oh, yeah. No, he is like, you know, we had, you know, we we often obviously, um, you know, we we speak often with the Ford family and, you know, Dan, Dan starts going and it's like, you know, I, it's, it's, it's been virtual a lot of times. And, you know, it's just I just look at, you know, Sheila's siblings is that they're all ready to strap on and play after Dan just gets going. And it's the same thing with me. It's like, me and Dan are going over roster and just like at the end of the meeting after an hour, I'm just like, all right, I'm, I'm juiced up. I'm, I'm ready to go. So, you know, again, it's totally authentic and, you know, it's, it's never ended, but it's been, it's been fun. Been very fun so far. You know, Brandon, to get to uh, on some serious notes here about football. um, I know you can't talk specifically about the trade until it actually is official, but I think we can ask you, what is it that you saw that makes you believe that Goff is a better fit for you all than than Matthew Stafford was? Because again, being frank, I think most people on the outside are going to say they believe that Matthew Stafford is a better quarterback than Jared Goff. So from your standpoint, why make that move? Well, you know, he's not on the roster yet. You know, so, um, you know, I, I, I can't be at, at liberty uh, to speak with, you know, speak about, you know, either one that aren't on the roster. But, you know, um, but but I well, can't. Matt, Matt is still on the roster now. Right. <laughs> well, you know, Matt, Matt, uh, very, very. And I've said this before, Matt, very talented quarterback and, you know, um, going going through going through the process and me, you know, even taking the job, you know, being, being excited to work with, with, with a quarterback of, of, of his skill set and, and talent level. But, you know, um, but, but, but at the end of the day, you know, um, you know, you know, uh, it was best for both. And I do think that, you know, um, wish them all the best, but, you know, obviously can't really discuss further in terms of that regards. Can you discuss whether or not it was a long-term move or a short-term move? Uh, in, in terms of what? Being best for the organization? Uh, yeah, definitely. Um, I think every everything that I will say, not even I think, um, everything that all decisions made are always best long-term for the organization. Rather, it looks, you know, from the outside on the surface that it looks more immediate and right now. And you do have to, you, you can't ignore the present because you have to compete in the present, but, you know, but, but it's always with the long-term vision in mind. But I'll, I'll frame it this way because you did come from the Rams. I mean, you were part of the front office that drafted Jared Goff. So mm-hmm. in your time with the Rams, what were some of the qualities that Jared Goff showed, right? I mean, he did, he, he was a quarterback for a Super Bowl team. 
what were some of the qualities that Jared Goff showed, which makes him a viable, legitimate starting quarterback in this league? Well, you know, to have familiarity with with a player um, obviously is 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 huge. And you know, the things that Jared shows is obviously the number one thing that shows up is toughness. And you know, that's you know that's that that's one that's one aspect that uh, may be overlooked at times, um, but that's the ones that's always, you know, shot out to me is in terms of, of, of his toughness and his ability to his arm talent, to ability to throw, you know, from, you know, different levels and, 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 and platforms and, you know, being a winner, you know, and winning a lot of games, uh, you know, when you talk about wins, you know, and, and wins and not only the regular season, but in the playoffs uh, and in the postseason, you know, you know, of current quarterbacks, he ranks up there up at the top. Uh, so um, that's, you know, having those familiarities and having those traits about him, um, you know, make, make, makes you very excited. You know, Brad, the um, this podcast is going to drop on Tuesday, March 9th, which is the deadline for the <laughs> franchise tag. Are you any closer to making your decision on what to do with Galladay? Yeah, that'll be uh, out of respect of the process. Um, you know, we'll we'll keep that in house. No, that's not to say that we're sliding into home plate. You know, trying to catch the bell, but you know, that's out of respect of the process. Um, you know, we're just gonna have to. You know, everybody will see what the decision will be made with uh, Galladay. Are there negotiations on a long term right now? With respect to the process, I can't say that. Oh, okay. you're no first. You. He's no first time GM, Jim. He's got I, he's got it down. There'll be no I kneecaps. Right. All that PR, all, all that PR background training that I've got. <laughs> I understand. <laughs> there it is. Well, well, Brad, let me tell you this though. So let's let's kind of look at the draft, and we're hearing, and, and you know, Jim and I talk to people and things like this. The fact that so many of the prospects, right? Some didn't play a full season. Some played against diminished rosters because players opted out. Things like that. Do you think, because of your lineage as, as the head of college scouting, where you've been on guys for years, mm-hmm. that that is going to help you through this draft process because you've got a book on so many of these guys firsthand and the spots where you're going to be drafting this year? Do you think that really kind of gives you an edge in a climate like this? Yeah, I, I actually do. Um, you know, it was it was cool just even you know going going through you know, even the interview process, you know, and just feeling confident that you pretty much know the draft class, you know, if if players were to come up and, you know, um, if, if the conversation even leaned that way. But even being in this chair now for in terms of what the first month of being on this job, first two months being on the job has demanded, um, the preparation and knowledge that you know that I have on the college draft landscape um, has helped me tremendously. You know, it's interesting, Brad. When you talk, you talk a lot about intangibles and that being important in a player, even more so than the physical traits and whatnot. And I think it's it's fair to say you can miss both ways: either overvaluing physical traits or even overvaluing potentially the intangibles. Yeah. How do you balance the two? Yeah, that's a great question because I do I, I do harp highly on the tangibles, but you do have to have a baseline of talent, you know. So um, it, it always, I mean, it, it, it is the NFL. So there's not like um, you can just have, you know, a great leader, you know, great teammate, but, you know, he's he's lacking the physical traits that's needed and required to, to, to play in the NFL. So there there is a balance, um, but – What's interesting this year, I think, is that because there wasn't any uh, real combine, you know, and that, you know, um, even the pro day is going to be a little bit more in a restricted base that you are going to have to make sure that those intangibles and that re- reliability factor is, is, is right and is high just because of the uncertainty even after the draft, you know, in terms of offseason and, and that whole thing. So uh, I do think the intangibles and the reliability factor is still high. Um, but I do actually kind of like the fact that you're going to have to lean more on if the guys can, can play football or not, 
you know, it's, it, it's going to be a little bit less of, um, I always go back to like Taylor Rapp, you know, uh, when, when I was with the Rams, we drafted him and, you know, he had, everybody was high from a football player and tangible aspect, but then that 40 time came out and then everybody kind of got, whoa, 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 well, you know, you felt good about the intangibles. You felt good about the football player on tape and you felt good about taking them where you did. I say the same thing about, you know, when I was with the Rams and, you know, we drafted Cooper Cup, you know, um, it was like when the workout process came on and the 40 times and the numbers started coming to play, then that's when Cooper Cup started getting a little soured on. But because of all the investment that we did in research and intel from an intangible standpoint and what you saw of him playing football, um, it's it, it's not any mystery that he's had the success that he's had. No, I, I was going to say, I always love what Ozzie Newsom has always said to me, that that he gets away from all of that. He turns on the tape and the tape will tell him everything he needs to know. And the thing I, I look at in the scouting process, look, everybody thinks they're a scout now or a GM with fantasy football. We know that. But it, it's so obvious what an inexact science it is when you think about it, and you've been around him for a while now. A guy like Aaron Donald could go 13th overall, and he's the most dominant player in the NFL today at any position regardless. And, and we on the outside sit back sometimes and say, why didn't people see this in the draft process? What was it that made them allow a guy like that to fall down to 13? You know, can you speak to that in terms of whether or not if one team passes on a player, do others then begin to get a little spooked or do they rely too much on the measurables as opposed to the tape? Yeah. And it's, it, with, with, with Aaron Donald, you know, when that process is that, you know, obviously extremely talented, uh, that that's easy to see, but when you talk about intangibles, it's about as high as I've ever seen it. You know, when you talk about you know work ethic, you know football character, all all of those things. Um, probably, obviously, the hardest worker that I've that that I've ever been around. On top of the talent, but Jim, I have seen where I have witnessed when the player starts to tumble. You know, you get a little like, what don't I know? Uh, why like I like I, I I thought he was gonna go here now he's starting to take a tumble so now you're getting on the phone and trying to wonder but you know um going back to uh you know you're going back to that intangible piece on top of the um on top of the talent is that you know you obviously don't have a crystal ball like you said it's an inexact science but you know when you go to a pit and you go to a practice and a coach tells you to go out to practice early, but doesn't tell you why. And then you go out to practice early, uh, such as what I did at Pitt when Aaron Donald came out. And you see Aaron Donald sitting in the practice bubble with just him and the, and the specialist. And he's taped up and he has this uh, twitch about him that he's been waiting for practice all day. Like he's, that's all he's been wanting to do is go to practice. And so when I saw that and then the coach says, no, did you come out early? I said, yep. He said, did you see it? I said, yep. That's all I needed to see. And so then telling that, then that's when you feel good. And even with that, a guy like that is that, you know, and this is with any player, if that if there's something that is about, you know, maybe the level of competition, say a guy come, comes from an HBCU and or say, you know, a guy is he's undersized for that position or whatever that case is, well, He's got to check so many boxes in terms of not only the intangibles, but any opportunity he's given of an all-star game, the senior bowl. He's got to win that. And then next it's the combine. He's got to win that. The next the pro day, he's got to win that. And so those are your opportunities there that you have to take advantage. And usually when you do take advantage and you win those, those opportunities and those circuits, that's what we call it. Plus you have the intangibles and you're usually in good shape there. That's excellent. Brad, I got one more for you because we know we got to get you out. We're hitting you on time. But just, you know, from from in your evaluations and everything, and just kind of looking at what you guys, you and Dan and, and Ray and everybody want to build there, this draft, are you necessarily uh, out of the quarterback market? Oh, no, I wouldn't. No, absolutely not. Um, you know, uh, I don't think I don't think when you're picking this high 
that you can be out on any position. Uh, but obviously, quarterback is such an important position. And, you know, I just think it's good. It's good drafting business always to be, be to be very, very thorough on that quarterback class, regardless of what your situation is. Um, you know, always when I was with, with the Rams, always said that, you know, always regardless of which you had a quarterback and then even especially now, you know, it's it, it, it's it, it's the same approach. And, you know, it is a good crop coming out this year, um, but, you know, it's definitely not a position that will be ignored by us um, by any means. Can I ask one quick question about going back to Dan Campbell real quick? When yeah. you think of your time with the Rams, Brad, some of the coaches you saw since since moving into the, the director position, you're talking about Mike Martz, Scott Linehan, Spagnolo, Fisher, McVeigh. What did you learn from watching all of those coaches in terms of determining what makes a su- successful head coach and who you would want as a head coach? Yeah, well, definitely the leadership aspect uh, was number one in terms of, um, you know, having the ability to make players believe into what you're selling and and not really just what you're selling, but what you're saying. And, you know, um, to have a presence in the room when you get in front of them, to have the poise, to have command, um, you know, those are the things that I think are extremely important. Uh, Also, you know, having the mental toughness you know, to actually go through, you know, the, the NFL is hard. I mean, it, it, it is hard and, you know, everybody's optimistic right now, but the reality is that season gets rough. And then when that season gets rough, you know, uh, the head coach, that's the face and voice of the football team has to have that mental toughness to actually make sure that he's staying up and actually can get through those ups and downs. So, the leadership and the mental toughness um, is, is is huge components that I've seen from past head coaches that I've been around. Um, obviously, been been fortunate enough to be through a lot of regimes, and then obviously um, those are the same you know uh, I say traits that I was looking for in terms of you know being paired with the head coach. And Dan definitely has those traits of leadership, presence, and mental toughness. All right, Brad, hey, you know, I wish we could talk for a lot longer. And, again, we know you got plenty of things to do, getting your draft boards ready, getting ready for free agency and all that good stuff. So we're going to circle back in a couple months. All right, you good? Love you. Love you. No, this has been great, man. I love – I could chop it up with you guys for plenty more time, but obviously I I, got to run. But, you know, let's definitely circle back and let's let's, let's do this again for sure. It's been a pleasure. And then – and then in the fall, we're actually going to do this the weekend after both Howard's and A&T's homecoming. And we are going to set the record straight because you and Tariq Cohen come with this WeHo business. And my, <laughs> my, hey, my barometer is this. Until a rapper drops a WeHo into a hit song, y'all are still below <laughs> Howard when it comes to homecoming. Got it? <laughs> I was waiting for that to come at some point about yeah. how homecoming versus AT homecoming, but I still say Jiho is the best number one. But I totally respect Howard Homecoming. That's been a staple ever since I was young and totally respected. And you know, it's arguable that you guys are still holding the crown, but you know, we'll just see where we're at now. We're not even gonna waste our time. We're not even gonna waste our time on that, Steve. Come on. I know man. I mispronounced it. I said Weho. I didn't say Jiho. I, I blew yeah. it there. Oh, I, I thought did. when you said Weho, I thought that was something that HU had going on. I mean, I'm not sure what a Weho is, but greatest homecoming on earth. You you know what Jiho is. It is just that. Oh and now it is time for us to say goodbye to Brad Holmes, <laughs> the general manager of the Detroit Lions. <laughs> Oh man, Brad knows he was hanging out up at up at Howard's homecoming, you know, <laughs> sliding in under the radar, <laughs> taking it in, you know, when he was I out on those You know, we had played Howard. Uh, I want to say it might have been '99 that you guys came uh, for us for homecoming. That that might have been that might have been one of the greatest wins there, which we actually owe, owed y'all one because you guys got us a couple years before, like I said, with the Ted White, uh, Marquise Douglas was a penetrating defensive tackle. That was the problem to deal with. So you guys have players on both sides of the ball, man. Those are some good matchups. 
Steve, what we got to do is we got to go back and get his travel itineraries from when he was scouting and, and match that up with when Howard's homecoming was. And I, I bet we'll see a lot of a lot of trips to D.C. around the time of Howard's homecoming, you know? So it's all good. Hey, Brad, that's it. so as we get out, on the next one, we're going to do that. You're going to tell us these stories because I've seriously spoken to scouts who are like, hey, I'm going to make sure to spend two extra days up in the Bay Area, California, go to Napa <laughs> to get like a Napa wine tour. Hey, I have to be, I have to be honest, when, uh, when uh, Brandon Parker came out, I just so happened to be making the trails through, you know, North Carolina, and I just happened to go to NC State and had to go to that whole triad area, and it – just so happened that I had to see Brandon Parker live, and it just happened to be it was homecoming. So that's just yeah, how the schedule you know, out. I can't do anything yeah, about it. Yeah, just coincidence. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. But I had a fish sandwich afterwards. I, I tell you that much. So. Mambo sauce. <laughs> <laughs> All, right. Mm-hmm. All right. Hey, Brad, we appreciate you, man. Good luck with everything, and we're looking forward to our next conversation. Really appreciate it. Thanks, guys, for having me. Thank you so much. Thank you, man. Appreciate you. you got it. Thank Take you. Take care. Steve, I know you had a, a relationship with Brad Holmes prior to this year. Uh, I hadn't spent much time around him and yet to meet him, but um, just a really interesting guy who seems to be very firm into what his beliefs are and what his approach is in terms of team building and and having success. So from that standpoint, I'm, I'm eager to see what he's able to accomplish because as we said on the front end of the show, this is a fan base that deserves some success. And look, only three playoff appearances in the last 21 seasons. Haven't had a playoff win since 1991. I mean, we're talking three decades, basically. That's a couple Um, generations, Jim. Exactly. So I'm I'm eager to see what he can do with this group. And look, we know they're allowing Dan Campbell Mm -hmm. to be Dan Campbell. And a lot of people want to make fun on the outside and whatnot. But that coaching staff that he has assembled. Oh, my God. It's for real. And there, there's a lot of experience both playing and coaching on that staff. And and I'm talking about NFL playing and coaching. And so uh, I think the players are going to be in a great situation in terms of what they can learn from these guys. Right. We heard out a new secondary coach and passing game coordinator last week when Jalen Ramsey said, Aubrey Pleasant, you know, what he's going to do for Jeff Okuda and, and really shape those guys. So, I mean, there's just so many people – um, that, that are going to you know, help out this franchise and those players. I, I really, two things I really took from Brad Holmes is one was him being intentional and saying, if I become a general manager and I'm one of a handful of black general managers in this league, I've got to put some black people at the top of the food chain as well as at the bottom, which is why he went out and hired Ray Agnew as his assistant general manager, because now he's in line to get a job when it comes open. Plus he's somebody I trust. who has got a ton of experience who can help me shape this roster. I also found it very intriguing, Jim, at the end when I asked him, are you out of the quarterback market when it comes to the draft, right? They just traded for Jared Goff, young guy, big contract, played in the Super Bowl, but they're holding the seventh pick. Now, Brad could have been playing the savvy GM talking about, okay, uh, we're not out of the quarterback market, but, you can come get this pick if you want. Or, you know, it could be something like maybe they're really interested in using one of those picks to get a quarterback. Well, I think two things to what you said. Number one, it's like what Terry Fontenot said. Um, you never want to restrict yourself. And so you always want to be in, in a position to take the best player available if that's the route you want to go. But the other thing to your former point about um, diversity in here, it really disturbed me that he wasn't even on the list initially because again, I'm saying to the people who are putting these lists together, who are you talking to? You know, where are these names coming from? Because there are others that you and I know who might, who do belong on that list who weren't on it. And that disturbs me. So if by chance that, that, that video that he did, the virtual interview that he did, the mock interview that he did some years ago, had not surfaced, he would not have even been in play this time around. And that's what's so disturbing to me about this whole process is there are talented people out there that folks who are supposed to know don't even know. 
And, and to me, that's just a problem that has to be addressed and has to be fixed. Yeah. And, you know, you know, real quick before we get out of here, just who's putting what list are they looking at? Who's putting the list together? You know, Brad said there are some by the NFL. We know the Fritz Pollard Alliance and, and some of these diversity advocacy groups put together a list. Are the team seeing those? Are they including everybody on the list? Because that's been an issue before, Jim, where there's been some really talented people who have not been put on the list that some of these diversity advocacy groups are giving these teams. So, again, you know, you can't put everybody on, but at the same time, when all of a sudden a Brad Holmes can be found. Well, the question, Steve, in my mind is whose voices speak loudest? That's the issue for me. Who are you right. listening to? Because there are a lot of people, I shouldn't say a lot. I don't want to, to, to be hyperbolic here, but there are people whose names outsiders don't know who know who the real talented people are in this league, but they're not being talked to. Why? Because they don't have the name recognition. You know, they don't have that clout yet. And that's part of the problem here. It's like they say, it's like players say, game knows game. And it's the same thing in the personnel world. You know, personnel people know personnel people. So stop talking to the traditional people that you've always talked to and get out into the weeds and talk to the people who are out there doing the job that really know. And Jim, you and I both know this because a couple of years ago, we did a, uh, a show with Daniel Jeremiah uh, on Black Monday. You know, our you know, former scout who works with us here at NFL Network. And he said, oh, there's no pipeline? I can give you 20 names of diverse candidates in the scouting pipeline off the top of my head. Those guys are out there. But Jim, we need to go ahead and button things up right here. So why don't you take us home? For all of you out there, again, we say thank you for listening. Thank you for subscribing. Um, continue to let us know who you want to hear from, what you want to hear about. And that way, we can continue to give you more of what you're funking for. That's right. Today we delivered Brad Holmes, a very good interview. We're going to circle back with him absolutely a little bit later on in the process, maybe after the draft, to see what the Detroit Lions did. All right. Again, the Huddle Full Podcast brought to you by Intuit, the proud makers of Mint, TurboTax, and QuickBooks. For my guys, Jim Trotter and Thomas Warren on the one and twos, I am Steve White. We are the Howard Mob, and we are out. You go into your shower feeling tired, but as soon as you reach for the Irish Spring, your day immediately gets better. That crisp, fresh, unmistakable Irish Spring scent zings your brain and awakens your senses. So when you finally emerge from the shower 37 minutes later because you pay the water bill so you can stay in there as long as you want, you're ready to take on the day and smell great doing it. Irish Spring Body Wash and Bar Soap. Fresh, green, Irish. Shop now at a store near you. Asking the right questions can greatly impact your future, especially when it comes to your finances. So if you're looking for a financial advisor you can trust, certified financial planner professionals are committed to acting in your best interest. That's why it's got to be a CFP. Find your CFP professional at letsmakeaplan.org. Are you looking for the perfect move-in ready home this spring season? Now's the time to buy at Fisher Homes. For a limited time only, enjoy below market interest rates starting at 5.375% APR, 6.139% APR. With these exclusive lower rates, you can save hundreds on a move-in ready home and start enjoying the benefits of home ownership even faster. Schedule your personal tour with one of our new home specialists at fisherhomes.com and make this spring the season you find your perfect home sweet home. Financing provided by Victory Mortgage, LLC, NMLS 461249, Equal Housing Lender.